0: Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast with Randy Zinn, founder of Beyond Mom. This is a podcast dedicated to inspiration, empowerment, and confidence for women on the journey to selfhood and self-love. Get connected with our expert interviewers, soulful conversations, and deep dive discussions with visionaries, survivors, creators, and movement makers for moms and women alike, these conversations will spark you to live the empowered life you deserve. And now, join our host, Randy's Zinn, as we go beyond. Well, hello and welcome to the Going Beyond podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here. And as most of you know... I invite my guests onto this show because I want the chance to talk to them selfishly and I want to get to know the amazing women that I either hear about or... I'm privileged to know about and want to know more. And today's guest is no different than that. I'm joined today with Mickey Agrawal. Many of you know her name. Many of you know her companies. And some of you probably follow her on social media where she shares so much of her life and her ethos. I'm really excited to have a conversation with her today that I know is going to inspire you to have some healthy disruption in your life in the ways that can really inspire other people and make radical differences in your life. So let me tell you just a few facts about Mickey, and then we're just going to dive into this conversation So, Mickey is the founder of several very fascinating companies who have made real impact in women's lives and people's lives. She's the founder of Thinx, a period-proof underwear brand. Um, Many of us have experienced this product and used this product. She's recently the founder of a very cool company called Tushy which is basically revolutionizing the American toilet category by creating an affordable and modern and very cool looking bidet attachment that can help you stay clean in your most important parts. I always wonder why America hasn't caught on to that yet, but now it will be. (laughs) She's the founder of an alternative pizza concept called Wild. And on top of all of that, she is a two time author. And her most recent book, which we're going to learn a lot more about today, is called Disrupt Her. It's coming out really, really soon. And I know Mickey is just like ready and amped to share all about what it means to disrupt our culture. And oh, most importantly, Mickey is a mom to a beautiful little boy who I just got to talk to. His name is Hero. He's awesome. And that's what I have to say to introduce her. So here she is. Hey, Mickey. Hey. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. So happy that you're joining me on the podcast today. Last time we saw each other in person, we were on the other side of the country. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I know how random.
0: It of course, at Air One. At Air One, I actually want to roll out like a bed in that store and move in.
1: I know, seriously.
0: <laughs> so, Mickey, again, I'm just really excited to get the chance to know you more through this conversation and to dive into how passionate you are about some of these concepts that can really, you know, change the way that our mindset works and the way that we express ourselves, because it's clear through the way that you express yourself that you believe things can be really, really different than they currently are. And you're here to change the world. And I love that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a really fun place to be, which is to make people feel uncomfortable and then allow people to really ask themselves why they're uncomfortable with certain topics. And then as we talk about it, just completely loses discomfort and then becomes, it goes from discomfort to advocate, to excited to talk about it. And that's what makes it really fun to work on the projects I've been working on.
0: Yeah. So tell us, like, give us a little bit of backstory. Like, where did it start for you that you decided to start kind of poking a little bit at the places or a lot, at the things that typically can feel uncomfortable and can ultimately, when we really look at it, be limitations of how we are living our lives.
1: Sort of the first introduction to kind of butting up against people who are not interested or uncomfortable talking about something was when I opened my first business, which was a restaurant. And it was a gluten-free, farm-to-table, local pizza concept. And, you know, we live in America where pizza is a $32 billion industry, and Americans eat 100 acres of pizza every single day. Wow. And so as a result, people are very, very particular to their standard pizza. Like I'm my Joe's pizza gal. Don't tell me how to eat pizza. Don't bastardize my pizza. You know, I like my pizza the way I like it. You know, and you do some digging. Like for me, I had to stop eating pizza because it, it caused stomach aches for me because of the bleached flour, processed cheese, sugar-filled sauces, processed toppings, all the stuff in that was kind of going into this beloved comfort food. And so I started you know, New York's first alternative pizza concept, gluten-free flowers, hormone free cheeses, local seasonal toppings, farm-to-table, stuff like that.
0: And when was that, Mickey? When did you do that?
1: That was in 2005. Okay. So I just turned 26 years old. Wow. And it was a really interesting experiment because I really experienced people's reactions. Don't tell me how to eat. Don't tell me what's healthy. I'm an adult. I can eat what I want. Don't tell my kids how to eat. And it was so fascinating. So it was really interesting to enter a conversation so sensitive like food and how you should think about eating and food issues and do it in a way that got people excited to talk about it, didn't get people defensive about it, got people, you know, and it was food, so it wasn't periods yet, it wasn't pee or poop yet, it was just food. Right. And that was such an incredible experience because it that experience it, it sort of helped define how I was going to start things, sushi and Icon, et cetera. So with the restaurants, I, you know, the way I thought about it was you had to have the best product, the food, had to be amazing, had to taste delicious, because initially in 2004, 2005, when I was working on building the business, people were like, ew, organic probably tastes like cardboard. Because back in 2004, 2005, no one was talking about gluten-free, table organic, local and so everyone immediately thought about, you know, the crunchy granola, those dry bread things that, you know. So it was just like, oh, probably it's like cardboard, oh, you know, gluten-free, disgusting. It was really stigma around all wow. that stuff. And so, so we had to have an amazing product, best-in-class product. And then we had to have a really beautiful aesthetic environment where people felt really comfortable and sexy coming into my space, felt really cool, felt, you know, just the aesthetic was great. And then the way we talked about it couldn't be clinical or medical or technical or academic, it had to be really, really accessible and really relatable that made people feel like, oh, you're talking to me. And so that sort of thesis that I learned from the restaurants translated really well when I started things, you know, initially nobody wanted to talk about periods. I started that 2011, started working on it with my co-founders in 2011, 2014, we had our quiet launch and then 2015, we had our grand launch and, you know, and sort of our mass rollout. And, you know, with the period space, again, it was something that nobody wanted to talk about. It was very uncomfortable. It's still a topic of discomfort for a lot of people. Nobody wants to look at their blood. Nobody wants to look at their vaginas. Nobody wants to talk about anything down there. And so to introduce a product where you're bleeding into your underwear (laughs) and having to wash it, people were like, ew, disgusting. Never. I'll never do it. Gross. Probably smells. Wash it. You You mean like actually just scrub blood out of my underwear? And it's just like you're already Doing that with your soiled clothing that you just bleed through your tampon anyway. Yeah. So, might as well wash it out of a pair of underwear that doesn't leak through. Like, and that feels like a sexy, regular pair of underwear that you don't have to worry about ever having a leak or a stain or an issue with it. Wow. So, that was another stigma that we had to make sure that, again, the thesis was still stood, which was best in class product, product that I wanted to wear that felt really good on my body, that didn't feel like a bulky, pad filled underwear. It was actually just felt like a regular underwear that felt maybe liberated it had to be you know the right aesthetic so all of our marketing and our, our design aesthetic was beautiful artful and then all of our art the way we talked about you know things was really really accessible and relatable and then fast forward to starting pushy most recently launched in 2016 really had our grand launch last year where we pushed hard and had some kind of hockey stick growth moment doubling like, you know year over year and it was the same exact thing. We're talking about poop. Nobody wants to talk about poop. Nobody wants to even pretend like they were in the bathroom. They want to kind of run away as if they were never in there. And nobody wants to, you know, everyone just uses a ton of toilet paper. The average American uses 57 sheets of toilet paper per day. A single toilet paper roll requires 37 gallons of water to make one roll. And so it was like... It was such an obvious thing. They were flushing down fifteen million trees down the toilet every single year. Wow. And it was just such a real problem. And yet people have been doing this since the late eighteen hundreds. Toilet paper was brought to America in eighteen ninety. The way we wipe ourselves hasn't changed since then. Our great grandparents taught our grandparents taught our parents taught us that this is the way you 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 know, you clean yourself after you use the bathroom.
0: And what were people doing before? Were they using like water?
1: Or they're using, like, you know, cloth, No washing it, or using, like, you know, back, way back, they're using leaves, you know, right. before, you know, leaves, to on water, then cloth, and then, then the Scots brothers and, you know, the, those sort of big families had money to market this consumable paper that people will buy over and over and over again, and... It's like what's so crazy about it is imagine if you jumped in the shower and not turn your water on and just use dry paper to wash your dirtiest bits of your body. People would call you insane. Imagine like not using like water to wash your hair but just trying to put dry paper in your hair and being like I'm clean it's like it's disgusting people would literally like you know send you to a loony bin right like it would or would you go to your dirty dishes in your dish sink you know you cut up a raw chicken and then like you put it in the sink and then you just take dry paper and just wipe the raw chicken salmonella on top and put it back in your cupboards people would be like you're disgusting it's crazy like the fact that we've been indoctrinated so deeply to believe that the dirtiest part of our body our butts could be cleaned in quotes by By paper paper is just insane
0: well it goes to show the power of sell of money and of like the persuasive way that we're sold things like it's just as crazy as like how we've been or not we me and you but people have been taught to like buy these sticks that like pollute your body and you smoke them like it's insane and like
1: yeah, all of it. He's recommended them. You know, they were doing, you know, so. Right. Yeah, it just goes to show the deep indoctrination, which is why I wrote my book Disruptor. It really is about disrupting those deep, deep held beliefs that we believe to be truths in our lives, but are actually just indoctrination by years past, by people from, you know, who is society? Society is people who are created by, you know, it's like society is people from years past. And we're living our lives based on what people from the years past said that this is, Couth or uncouth, or this is the way it should be, or this is how we should be doing things. Why? Why should we listen to them? So that's really. So Tushy was born. It's a modern bidet that easily attaches to your existing toilet. It's not this whole new toilet that you put on your bathroom and re- do a whole new plumbing electrical system that those Japanese toilets require. They're also expensive, thousands of dollars. It's not those weird French bidets that that's you know you have to like shimmy over with your poopy butt next to your toilet. You know those weird French contraptions that look like water fountains next to your toilet. It's not that. It's simply a bidet attachment that clips onto your existing toilet. So if you have a small, tiny space or big space, whatever, it attaches to your existing toilet in 10 minutes. It comes with in a hose. Everything's in the box. And then in 10 minutes, no plumbing or electrical required, your toilet turns into a bidet. And it's like – and you turn this beautiful little knob – we have the only one with organic bamboo, you know, knobs, and then you turn the knob and it sprays precisely your butt clean. And there's so much stigma. Oh, doesn't it spray poop everywhere? It's like, no, it doesn't. It poop goes down. It's like a reverse (laughs) waterfall. It pulls the water down. People are like, Oh, isn't it pulling from the dirty toilet water or the tank? It's like, no, it's not coming from the toilet water or the tank. It's coming from the wall, the same water you brush your teeth with. It's like it pull like the splitter that splits off the water that goes to your tushy splits off from your wall. So, so you don't have to worry about dirty toilet water. It's just there's so many reasons why people just talk themselves out of properly cleaning themselves. It's amazing, but what really gets people excited yeah. is the fact that it's going to save them a lot of money over. You know, you'll save thousands of dollars over the course of you know a few years. If you have a family of four, you're saving you know thousands of dollars like in just a couple of years. So if you know you're that. using a tushy, do you you would argue you can't you'd- drive a little bit of toilet paper, or we have organic bamboo butt towels that you just pat dry because it's like you're taking a shower you just pat your butt dry after if you don't want to do that if you're a little nervous about that which i get at first you'll get there don't worry when you start using you'll be like oh my god i'm so clean but before that we have organic bamboo toilet paper on subscription rather than killing a tree that's like 150 years old you might as well use a tree free product like bamboo which grows up to 39 inches per day and use that instead so and tree and bamboo and hemp these are materials that we already have a 100% hundred percent bamboo toilet paper that we have on subscription that you can order. It's completely plastic free for the packaging. There's no plastic packaging. It's, and it's tree free. And so it's the most sustainable toilet paper in the market. So you, but you're, instead of using 57 sheets that you're wrapping around your hand and to not touch the poop, you're using 80% less toilet paper to pat your butt dry. So you just need a couple of pieces to pat dry. And so you're just saving so much money, but eventually You'll get comfortable enough, you know, to use our butt towels, which are so soft. And our, our butt towels, you know, people love them so much that we created full size towels for people because they're like, your towels are. I would use it on my face; it's so soft. So they're
0: like, don't use the same one. We're going to make you yeah. more.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you know, and our product is sixty nine dollars. You know, Tushy. It's like you know, you can't get up a day for that. And that's a really great quality product, right? In this industry. So I'm you know, so we to make it affordable to the masses and. That's how you shift
0: culture. Yes. I'm so curious. One of the things, maybe this is just because I'm always interested in product development in general, but also because I think when you talk to a lot of people or women that have a lot of really good ideas, but they don't necessarily know an industry or know a product. And they'll say, I have this idea, but I know nothing about that. I'm assuming that when you had an idea for Thinks or for Tushy or these things, like it's not to say that you had all this expertise in designing underwear or in period culture, you know, how people view periods or in, you know, actually creating apparatus that plugs into. So I would love for you to share a little bit because a lot of my listeners are women with ideas. Where do you start when you have an idea, but you don't necessarily know about that thing?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is you have to get the product designed. If you have an idea and you put it in the back of a napkin, you're like, this thing would look like this. And you, So the first thing you need to do is get a product designer, which you can find on Upwork. You can find on so many different places. You can go to colleges. You can go to design schools. You can find a student that wants a couple of extra bucks, you know, and you can create, you can design the product that you're trying to, you know, create. Then once a the product's designed, then you can prototype it. And there are different prototypers in, you know, the, all over the United States and Asia. There's just so many places that do different prototypes. You can have 3D print prototypes for super cheap. So then you get it prototyped and then you test it and you see does it work? Does it need tweaking? You know, once you get the product to the right thing, then you, if you want to patent it, you can go to a patent lawyer. There are super affordable patent lawyers on upcouncil.com. And then from there, you can, you know, go to Alibaba and look for product manufacturers who manufacture things that are similar to your product. And then you know you can build your website either on Squarespace, Shopify, WordPress you know I do all my products on Shopify because it's really really easy really user friendly they have a great back end system very trustworthy and then you market the product on Facebook, on Instagram you create the right creative so it's really a pretty straightforward process But the step one is the hardest part, which is getting the product designed and created and exactly, you know, what you want to create. And I think you you can't compromise on that step because if your product isn't great, then you won't have a business.
0: Right. And I'm sure I can imagine that you do a fairly good amount of clearly your own research on a field and on an industry. Like you identify a problem and then you say, let me like immerse myself in this and know as much as I can personally know. And then I imagine you also have to bring in people to give you their insights, their frustrations, their feedback. So I can only imagine that you would bring other people in for perspective at certain junctures, too.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah so my first book do cool shit with the subtitle quit your day job start your own business and live happily ever after I talk about three questions that you should ask yourself before starting any business the first question is what sucks in my world it has to be an actual problem that sucks in your world first because you're like this is a pain point that I'm dealing with all the time like for me having stomach aches couldn't find a pizza place that satiated both my taste buds and that was good for me you know period I had period accidents every single month I was like my first time getting my period every month I was so so messy, it was a disastrous. You know, problem with Tushy. You know, before with bidets, like every single time I went to the bathroom, which is a day, multiple times per day, I would have to do the whole like wet the toilet paper wads underneath the sink and shimmy over to wet the wads, and then come back and then you know like try and wash my butt with toilet paper. a messy, ugly, disgusting experience. And I was like, I need a product that properly cleans me, but that's not super expensive. And I lived in a rental, and I didn't want to, you know, like plumb a whole new toilet, you know, so... A really simple bidet attachment that sixty nine dollars just did the trick. i mean my rental. Most millennials and younger are now just all are renters, and so, and so that was a real pain point for myself. So what sucks in my world? The second question is, does it suck for a lot of people? Because if it just sucks for me, then it's like I'm a diva and like that's a problem, you know? Yeah. So if so <laughs> it sucks for a lot of people, then it's okay. Yeah, one in five Americans eat gluten free. You know, that's now it's a stats a fact. Whether they're slightly intolerant, very intolerant, you know, it's a runs again. People want to be healthier. Want to have a better digestion system, not eating gluten is better for you. So this 20% of a bear is a big, big, big business you know, opportunity. Yeah, every single woman who can you know, admit to themselves has had a period accident on their lives can use this product. And yes, every human who poops uses toilet paper will walk around with probably the UTI or hemorrhoids or yeast infection or one of those things at some point in their lives, if not multiple times in their lives, because chronic UTIs and hemorrhoids are exacerbated by using dry paper because all that infection and disease is just sitting there, you know, just sort of like, you know, basically getting grosser and you're down there as you're sitting on it all day long. And so you want to make sure that area is clean. And so people who have chronic UTIs, hemorrhoids, these infections, anal fissures, that's exacerbated by using wet wipes constantly. All the, the wet wipes basically strip away the natural oils from behind which can cause anal fissures when all of your oils, natural oils on your skin are stripped away over and over and over again by using wipes or by toilet paper. Over time, you can completely just disintegrate the skin, which causes anal fissures. A lot of people have to do anal fissure operations. It's a painful, awful thing. So if you wanna just eliminate all that stuff, use water. And so I know that water is the universal solvent. You clean everything with it, it's the most simple thing. So yeah, it's a problem for everyone. So my number two question is, does it suck for a lot of people? Yes, it sucks for a lot of people. And the third question is, the most important question, which is, can I be passionate about this issue, cause, or community for a really long time? So... You know, if it's a t shirt company that you're like, yeah, I'm going to start a gold t shirt company that has, you know, glows in the dark. And then, like, after five minutes, you're like, oh my God, why did I start this business? Like, I just, that was like a Burning Man idea and I'm done. And it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, you don't want to do that. Like, you have to be like, okay, can I sit in the discomfort of this idea for the next 10 years of my life? You have to, like, equate that to 10 years. Because sometimes it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, because that's actually most of the time. You know, the whole like LaCroix that you see everywhere now. It was a thirty year old company. Most people don't know that. Thirty years old. Yeah. In the first twenty seven years, twenty-eight years of its life, it was like puttering along and then all of a sudden it had its hockey stick growth, like in its twenty-eighth year. You know, so like it, it takes often ten years to be an overnight success. And so can you sit in the discomfort of what you're trying to build so passionately in this category for ten years? And if the answer is no, then no. Like for me, can I be passionate about food and food issues for the rest of my life? Absolutely. Can I be passionate about women's rights? through their period for the rest of my life. Can I be passionate about basic human rights for every tissue sold? We're funding clean sanitation facilities all over India. To date, we've helped over 20,000 families gain access to clean sanitation. You know, the global sanitation crisis affects over a billion people. Well, if over a billion people practice open defecation, but three billion people don't have a safe place to poop every single day. It's a real thing. And so we won the lottery of life absolutely as people born in this country. And so it's our duty to help provide basic human rights to the people and I can definitely be passionate about that for the rest of my life also I'm super passionate about bidets because I think it's disgusting that we're using dry paper and so I love advocating for using fresh water instead of dry paper which uses 55 more gallons per week of water to use water (laughs) because toilet paper roll you know requires that much in all the processes the trees the things like I can be super passionate about conservation for the rest of my life so can I be passionate about these things for the rest of my life absolutely so Those are something that you have to really ask yourself before really kind of – you know, pushing forward in
0: your idea. It's amazing. I got goosebumps when you were talking, Mickey, because I really think that, I mean, one, you're just living all three of those principles. And I think it's such an actionable checklist for anybody who's stepping in to something that they think they like or they think they're passionate about. So I love that. I'm definitely going to be like highlighting that point when we promote this podcast. It's really, really important. So tell us a little bit more about the book and about disruption and disrupting for women in particular because I know our listeners are going to be very interested in what you're coming out with
1: yeah so you know while building my businesses in the pizza periods p poop they all start with letter p it's crazy
0: but (laughs) coincidence I don't know maybe it's crazy you know what I mean yeah which we're going to talk about next (laughs) yeah
1: so, you know, it just by building all these businesses I just got so much shit thrown out my, my way. Oh, gross idea, never gonna work, no one's gonna invest, no one's gonna buy it, no one's gonna no one's gonna know it's gonna you know, just so much shame in these categories that everybody just doesn't wanna talk about it and therefore no press wanna talk about it, nobody wants to invest in my business in the beginning. And it's true, but you know, but then over time it's like now periods are everywhere, periods are cool. It's like a badge of honor now, it's amazing and I feel like we really helped, you know, push that conversation along and I think You know, when in the beginning society was like, don't talk about it, don't build this, this is a bad idea, you know, these businesses are are now valued at well over $150 million, and so as a result... You know, people. It just turns out that society is wrong about a lot of things. It's yeah, not just periods being moved. Society is wrong about so many things. You know how we should look and feel. Like, you know, as far as the conversations around money, the conversations around you know the perfectionism, the conversations around the culture of complaining, the conversations around stuff, around getting serious as we grow up. You know, career. Why we should think you know stick to a career. There's so many things in society where we are shamed about. Just you know, kind of staying in our safe zone, and it limits us in living our full, expressed, authentic, passionate, lit-up lives, and it pains me when... I meet people who are sort of living in sort of a box of security and conformity because it makes them feel safe. But for what and to whom? Like for like, why do we? keep – Like we're all going to die. Or if there's one certainty, we're all going to die. Like from the point we graduate college to the point we die, we only have twenty one thousand days to live, and that's it. And like, if what are we going to do with that time? Are we going to just spend it living in a safe box because like society conforms us doing that and becoming a doctor because our Indian father said that we should? You know, or is it it. we want to go and like ex- be fully expressed and do the thing we want to do and create the thing and failure like who the fuck cares about the word failure in my book Disruptor I talk about replacing completely the word failure with revelation like what has been revealed to me as I try something new you know it's not failures it's being revealed and if you enter anything most people don't even start anything at all because they don't want to be shamed about failing you know people are like oh failing forward is good it still has the word failing in it you know like nobody wants to fail at anything and people will often not started so therefore just it's like what has been revealed to me in my businesses growing all my businesses I've had the roller coaster experience ups and downs taken down by the media I've been through it all but like so much has been revealed to me in the most poignant beautiful even painful was poignant beautiful like all of it betrayal feeling that was poignant and beautiful you know I really want to feel through all of it and I think before we die like why not feel all of those things instead of feeling just numb and safe so I think this you know the the reason I wrote this book it's like an unabashed manifesto that sort of inspires us to move past outrage because also like the whole culture of outrage and how we have to like as women yes we have to stand together but we made men like we created came out of our vaginas we maybe not fight the way they fight because it's not working you know and so you know I think the more we fight the patriarchy in this sort of outrage way the more the patriarchy will stand strong the more we fight it a more feminine beautiful way that's totally different I think we can cope you know we can learn them in the right direction because we made them you know and so the book talks about strategies and techniques of how to fight the patriarchy authentically it talks about how to so the book really it galvanizes us into action in 13 major areas in our lives you know where we definitely that need disruption and then it looks at the historical context of where these things come from these common beliefs come from and then disrupts them one by one
0: I'm really excited (laughs) to read the book. It sounds amazing, Mickey. A manifesto is exactly right. It sounds like a really like a true expression, not just from like your core, you know, connection to these principles because of your feeling, but because of everything you've done. I mean, that's what I think is amazing. You know, anybody can talk about what they feel, but when it comes from things you've done, it's
1: an experience.
0: It's an experience. Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I wrote this book, you know, right after I gave birth to Heroes. So I had all these hormones coursing through my body. So you were like, and so, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and I experienced so much during this period. You know, I had, I was, you know, forced to step down as CEO of my own company while I was pregnant. It was a really painful time. And I think it was also such an important experience for me to have so that I could stop and have my body, so I could have my baby. And so I could stop and really like, and just, again, take so much of the same that are existing in today's society and put it into this book. You know, I never would have written this book had I not experienced the highs and lows of being in this society that's both championing disruptors and also wanting to take them down. And so it was a fascinating experience. I love that. that all of that's in the book.
0: I love that, which is a perfect segue into motherhood. And for those of us who follow you on social media, I mean, it's been a beautiful almost like braiding together of who you are, what you've done, obviously what the principles you live by and then folding in this journey of motherhood. It seems like it's really informed a lot of your viewpoints. And of course, I'm sure opened up All new things and all new ways of viewing life.
1: Yeah, I mean, so in my chapter is disruption number 10. Yeah, so what it really revealed to me is how you know, when I had my baby, before I had my baby, I felt like, especially as a CEO and founder of a company, you know, having raised money and stuff like that, I had to really exist in a very masculine space in that, like I had to compete with men to raise the money. And like, you know, only four to 5% of women are still getting funded. You know, 6% of women are sitting on decision making boards to invest. And so you're meeting with all these men constantly to try and just like build your business. And I had to find myself really kind of joining that, sort of masculine, you know, vibes in order for even to move my businesses forward. And what I learned from having after having hero is, no, like I could build my businesses in a really sort of all-encompassing way. And so I talk a lot about the Shakti goddess who's in the Hindu tradition. The, the, so I have this right here, chapter 213, page 213. Shakti is the Hindu goddess that represents supreme feminine power. My Indian father had been teaching me the Shakti via the Hindu scripture called the Mahabharata and the Ramayana since I was a child. My girlfriend Ilana had been re reopening the concept around me for a while. So Shakti can be further defined as dynamic energy that is responsible for creation Maintenance and destruction of the universe it is identified as female energy because Shakti is responsible for creation, as mothers are responsible for birth. Without Shakti, nothing is nothing in this universe would happen. So basically, Shakti, the Shakti goddess, can reincarnate in many different forms. She can basically full as the she can incarnate as or manifest as Kali, who is a terrifying force that destroys evil and a powerful mother figure, or as Durga, the invincible warrior who conquers forces as that threatens the stability of the universe, or she can manifest as Lalita, she who plays, goddess of bliss and sensuality, or she can manifest as Saraswati, goddess of wisdom and learning, or Lakshmi, goddess of wealth and well-being. So the idea is that we have so many different sides of ourselves as humans, women and men. You know, it's like for us to have to only show our... Durga, which is our fighter warrior in business, because that's just all of a sudden we're now pigeonholed as like, that's who we are. Why can't we be all the things? Cause we're all flowing rivers. We're flowing people like energetically. We're not one thing. And I feel like in business, we've had to like scrunch ourselves into one thing. And I feel like that's been a struggle that I've been trying to battle in business as well. You know, I've been trying to fight the fact that we have to be super rigid in business and, and conform to these societally accepted practices. You know, at us with my culture, it's all about like freeing yourself, like, you know, celebrating your you know body positivity, celebrating your thoughts and your minds and who you are. And that, you know, like that in this society can butt you in the ass, you know? And so it's really about how do we, we have these conversations really show that in life and in business, we don't have to be just single sort of, you know, tracked. We can be multifaceted and it should be celebrated in every part, business, life, personal, everything.
0: Yes. And when you think about the possibilities, when we actually can open up to all of those different types and all of those different ways of being and that we have them as like our kind of smorgasbord of like parts of who we are when they're activated, I mean, imagine what can be accomplished, what can be created when we're open to all of that, instead of, as you're saying, living out these forms of ourselves in one way, because that's what culture tells us is, you know, it should be. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I feel that 100%. And I think for my work, like that feels so right on because... My manifesto at this point is that we are living so much along the lines of what our culture tells us to be and do. And that's how we're representing ourselves as mothers, you know, as wives, as how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to express ourselves. And we simply don't give ourselves that quiet space to introspect and to be and to really feel in to what we really are about. And it's from that place that the truth of how we want to parent, how we want to create a business, how we want to look, how we want to speak, all of it comes from that space. Yeah, I mean, so much of the confusion that I notice women have around how they want to do all kinds of things in their life come from the fact that they really just don't listen into what they deeply feel. It's very much conditioned from the outside.
1: Exactly. And that is an issue too. You know, I've experienced people who wear the feminist t-shirts, you know, who are wearing the feminist t-shirts and the vagina necklaces but they're mean girls on the inside. Yeah. And they just want to talk shit, take people down, jealous, envious, you know, want to right troll people. It's just like that is not a true feminist. That's not someone who's truly supporting women and all people and equal rights because that's what feminism really is. It's just celebrating equality for all, you know. And I think that you know what? What we have to realize is that we still are deeply ingrained in this patriarchal conditioning, yeah. even as women to one another. It's like, oh, there's only one seat at the table for a woman. Let's claw at each other for that one seat instead of realizing that we can make many seats at the table for ourselves together. Like we can create more seats and not claw for that one seat. And I've experienced it all. I've experienced both a positive, loving, championing woman, and I've experienced the women who want to take me down so desperately. You know, and it just sort of it's fascinating. Where for me, it's like I think that it's so So important to turn envy into inspiration, to turn sort of like to to turn your outward anger into inward strength, where you can like continue to push your own inward boundaries. In my, I don't know if you watched my Disruptor video. I didn't get to yet, but I'm going to. Go to DisruptHer.co. The first shot is I'm being birthed out of a vagina. And so you can check it out. Definitely going to watch her that. Co. Oh, and by the way, go to HelloTushy.com. Do not go to Tushy.com. It's a porn site. It's a very graphic porn site. So when you go to see Tushy, the bidet company, go to hello tushy.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you
1: clarified that. you want to see me being birthed out of a vagina, clean... Vagina, Tushy cleaned vagina. Go to disrupther.co and, and see the poem that, that I worked on that really talks about all this stuff, you know, the hypocrisy of society and why we should disrupt it all for once and for all.
0: Mm. And, you know, the one thing I also will say, because I sometimes, I think I float very similarly to you, Mickey, in the sense that I've really always kept the people that inspired me and that. I thought were amazing, like super close to me. I never really went into the zone of jealousy or otherness or meanness. like it just I want to say it wasn't it's not really my nature, but I want to think about it more deeply because I think about my parents and I think about how I was raised, and I think that there was really always a sense of respect for people who did good in the world and a celebration of sorts. And it always came down to that. So I just bringing it back to the fact that we raise children, like for them to see us live that way does create a ripple effect of how we can welcome power and welcome good doing in the world and like wanting to be in the midst of that, not pushing it away.
1: Right. A hundred percent. It's just like when I see these takedown stories for women about other women, it's just really pains me. just like, you know, just for the thrill of a takedown. It's just, it's wild.
0: Yeah, man. Well,
1: Nikki, wow. Okay. We could clearly keep going.
0: This is an amazing conversation. I'm so happy that we had it. Before we go, tell us quickly, you already mentioned the websites, but tell us where everybody can engage and follow you and support your work.
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Mickey Agrawal. I think you'll be in the show notes, maybe at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Check out com, which is my bidet company. It will change your life. I'm not even kidding. It will. And then if you want to check out my book, go to DisruptHer.co. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. But to watch the video and get you really inspired, go to DisruptHer.co.
0: Amazing. Mickey. thank you for sharing so much with me and with my listeners today. Thank you for being so brave and for continuing to put one foot in front of the other to do what you feel so passionately about because you are inspiring other women and other people every day. So I personally thank you for that. Yes. Yes. And best of luck with your book launch. Thank you. And for those of you who tuned in today, thank you for listening. I know you're going to have a lot to say on this episode. So please share it with your friends, like it, and continue to tune in for more amazing, inspiring, life-changing conversations on the Going Beyond podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.